Hi, I'm Matthew Kind. Every Monday, look for a fresh new episode where I'll take you behind the scenes and interview the insiders that are shaping the rapidly evolving cannabis industry. Learn more at cannainsider.com. That's C-A-N-N-A insider.com. Now here's your program. Today, we're going to learn how entrepreneurs are bringing pharmaceutical science to the cannabis world to create products that provide consistent and predictable benefits. I'm pleased to welcome Andreas Beckel, CEO of Dispersa Labs, to the show. Andreas, welcome to Canna Insider. Thanks, Matt. It's really great to be here. Give us a sense of geography. Where in the world are you today? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm sitting in San Leandro, California, which is just about five minutes south of Oakland. Uh, and I'm at our manufacturing facility. You don't meet a lot of Leandros anymore, do you? That's kind of a name that's... <laughs> no, it, it's fallen out of side. favor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting observation. Yeah. I, I want to I bring that back as well as uh, Ezekiel and a few <laughs> others. Can we work on that together? We can. We can. <laughs> okay. So tell us, what is Dispersa Labs on a high level? Yeah, sure. Uh, Dispersa Labs... Uh, uses pharmaceutical science and manufacturing practices uh, really to harness the immense potential of cannabis. And uh, we engineer infused powders that uh, we use to enable really new and improved ways of delivering these cannabinoids, uh, forming them into doses that are more precise, uh, predictable, and uh, healthier. Uh, And we're just uh, positioning ourselves to launch our first product based on our technology uh, that we're bringing to market, and it's called Sula Breathable Cannabis. Okay. Andreas, can you share a little bit about your background and journey and how you came to start Dispersal Labs and how you got into the cannabis space and so forth? I'd be happy to. Uh, yeah, I, I started working in biotech and pharma uh, pretty much exactly 20 years ago this month uh, at a company that was uh, fittingly called Inhale Therapeutics. It's here in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area as well. And uh, at that company, we, were, we developed uh, the first uh, FDA-approved inhaled powder form of insulin for treating type 2 diabetes. And uh, then we went on to, uh, that group went on to develop a few other uh, dry powder inhaler products for other diseases. Uh, it was there that I really kind of fell in love with the practice of engineering particles for inhalation. Uh, and... Uh, Uh, Part of my core (laughs) values is also helping people, uh, wanting to be in service to others. And so I saw this as a, you know, kind of a a purpose for me to be able to intervene uh, in my own little way uh, to help further the cause of uh, addressing unmet medical needs to help patients live longer, healthier lives. And uh, really, my entry into cannabis came a little later on uh, when in 2014, I joined forces with... uh, uh, a market researcher and my co-founder, na- whose name is uh, David Cookson, and uh, we both, uh, you know, understood at that time that there was a lot of therapeutic value in cannabinoids, uh, but also that uh, they hadn't quite served us personally well. And uh, wanting to find couple, coupling our backgrounds, market research with this uh, dry powder inhaler uh, sort of approach. Uh, we got together and just started hammering on some solutions. And uh, yeah, we are where we are today now. Six years later, it's been a long journey. Yeah. So you're always working on powders. You've just kind of pivoted and worked on powders in the cannabis space. 
Do you remember kind of the aha moment with you and your co-founder where you're like, I think, I think this is what our product should be and, and the reason why? Yeah. So it, the aha moment kind of, uh, there were some formative things that happened well before I met with David and we started along this journey uh, in, in creating these powders. And uh, I guess it started back in college. I had a couple of pretty negative experiences with, um, with joints uh, and THC. And it really got me to feel, uh, come to a conclusion that, you know, cannabis probably wasn't for me. I, it just didn't sit well with me and, and the outcomes weren't good. Um, I didn't have a good time. I kind of got that paranoid, anxious feeling and kind of wanted to disappear from wherever I was. <laughs> um, uh, but a little bit later on, once I was working at uh, Inhale, I, I found myself in a very stressful job, uh, working in clean rooms and working really long hours. But despite the uh, physical fatigue, I was having great difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep. Uh, it was a real problem. So I was kind of a walking zombie at work. And uh, a colleague at the time kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, you don't, you don't look well. And uh, what's going on? And, you know, kind of described the situation. And um, she, she said, you know, have you, have you thought about trying cannabis? And I said, oh, you know, Diane, that really isn't for me. It doesn't work for me. And, and you know, kind of ran her through the, the story, the backstory. And she said, well, you know, you probably just consume too much. So, you know, why don't you just try just a tiny little puff and just see what happens. And so, you know, I built up my courage and I think it was a Friday night or something like that to try this. And uh, I, I did what she said. I, I had a little one hitter and, and just took a tiny puff of, uh, of, some, of some nice uh, kind herb. And uh, I really got my, the first night solid sleep uh, that I had probably in months, maybe in six months. Uh, and I woke up feeling totally refreshed and uh, it was then that sort of that light bulb went off over my head and said, you know, hey, cannabis is medicine. Uh, and it was also a time in California that, you know, medical cannabis um, w became legal in about 96. So a few years before, you know, my little journey there. But um, it's something, you know, it was in the media, medical cannabis, this. And I always discounted that. But it was, it was really with that personal journey and that experience where I said, you know, this is real medicine. And, it, you know, it really changed my mind. Uh, just that one uh, formative experience. And the other thing is I, in reflecting on my negative experiences, it, it also planted the seed of, Hey, you know, the dosing is just wrong. You know, we, we need to be able to control this, um, and to tame this, uh, molecule and get that dosing right. Okay. And so, you know, everybody's familiar with inhaling cannabis in the form of a joint, like you mentioned, what really makes this better? Because we're probably overcoming a little bit of, a. I'll also say ignorance for the average consumer where they're like, well, you know, I'm not used to inhaling something. Why do, why do I want to do this? And what do you tell them, Andreas? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of folks are kind of in, come from, have a background like me or they're just very um, reluctant to try cannabis because of a lot of the negatives that have been put out there over the, you know, multi-generations of disinformation about it. Um, and that fear, um, you know, coupled with the way it's currently presented in many cases, you know, smoke this joint, um, you know, what's that going to do to me? Uh, you know, it, it, it's paralyzing to a lot of people. So having um, Sula is really the first true fixed dose of inhalable cannabinoids. Um, so you, what, what's contained within a single capsule, the powder that's contained in a capsule that's then inhaled is a fixed dose. So you can't get more than it was what's presented in that, in that single dose. You could always take a second capsule if you want to. Um, 
but uh, it, it kind of makes it uh, a, what would be referred to as a standardized dosage form, which a lot of consumers are familiar with from pharmaceuticals or over-the-counter um, uh, wellness products like supplements. And one of the other things that makes it a lot better in our view is that it has this almost immediate effect. And that comes with a healthier profile also because there's really no burning or heating associated with smoking or vaping. And uh, it also delivers a very balanced, well-rounded high for people who want to anticipate and control their experience on cannabis. And another advantage is really that the inhaler is just purely a mechanical device. There's no electronics uh, involved. Uh, There's no uh, heat sources. There's no risk of explosion in your pocket. Um, And there's no mess created by joints and other uh, smokable forms. So it's a very, um, very tidy little system that's also uh, quite robust. It can fire hundreds of doses through a single inhaler. So it's uh, not a big burden on, on the waste stream that we're always also concerned about in industry these days. Okay. So the pathway into the bloodstream is fast and efficient. And then you pointed out predictable too, which is really helpful for people that need to know what they're getting into. Maybe they're going to work. Maybe they're even just going out with friends, but they want to know, Hey, what's, what's going to happen here. And they can feel comfortable that they're going to get a very predictable outcome. How do people, you mentioned a little bit about how it feels, but how how do how would you say you describe it in more detail? Can you throw some more adjectives around that of how it feels? Maybe in contrast that to other ways. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. We you know we get a lot of people who kind of right after inhaling um, their first dose of Sula say something like, "Wait," they'll say, "Wait, should should I be feeling this already?" Um, so it's really kind of surprisingly fast acting. Um, and uh, one of the one of the great benefits for that fast onset of effect is, and where it's very useful, is you know patients who use this for treating anxiety, uh, pain, sleep, uh, seizures, and and more conditions where really fast acting medicine is what's what's in order. Uh, who wants to wait for relief from those symptoms for an hour or two, which is common with orally ingested products. Okay. And another another piece of feedback in terms of the effect of, um, that people feel is that uh, a lot of, we get a lot of that. It's a very clean high. Um, so I guess less of a fog, um, and, and just a very clean experience. Right. So with the plant, you know, you're getting THC and the full spectrum cannabinoids, but mm-hmm. you don't know what else you're getting too. On top of it, you've got plant right. material. And when you combust that, um, what, what exactly is happening there? So remove some variables. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay. So let's talk about, let's just define a few things. Can you describe what spray drying is? Yeah. So, uh, spray drying is the uh, process that we use to manufacture our powders. Um, it's a simple single step and, uh, very scalable, uh, manufacturing process that, uh, is, uh, utilized in across a number of industries, uh, foods, cosmetics, uh, basic materials, um, nutraceuticals, pharma, uh, including other dry powder inhaler type applications. And it's, uh, it's just kind of a simple, uh, process where there are three kind of, uh, unit operations, uh, first one is atomization, where we kind of create these little tiny droplets that are micron on the micron scale, 
Um, then those droplets are dried within a chamber that kind of looks like a, looks like a fermenter. If people are familiar with brewery, brewing these days and what a microbrewery looks like, it kind of looks like one of those big stainless steel vessels. It's a drying chamber where the, those little tiny droplets then interact with um, hot uh, filtered air. And uh, that's, where, that's where the liquid is, which carries the drug and also our um, inactive but functional ingredients, which we call excipients, are converted into a powder. And then that powder goes into the kind of the third unit operation, which is um, a collection of that powder. So um, that's the third step where we, where we concentrate and collect that powder in bulk. Uh, and spray drying allows us to have great control over the size, shape, and composition of these powders, um, pretty much unlike any other uh, process that's out there. It's probably why it's so broadly used across industries. Okay. And how about aerosol particles? How do you get cannabinoids in there? Can you just describe what aerosol particles are and then how you get the cannabinoids in there so people can get a visual? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, aerosol is, uh, is kind of derived from aerosolution, uh, which it's kind of short for that. And essentially describes particles that are small enough to remain suspended or entrained in air. And so, you know, some common examples of aerosols include, you know, fog, uh, morning fog, some dust, uh, or smoke is something we're also familiar with that, that would be qualify as an aerosol. Uh, basically, the aerodynamic uh, forces on these tiny particles uh, trump uh, or, or, or far exceed the gravitational forces on the particles because of their size. So uh, the science is really fascinating and it's a rabbit hole I fell into many, many years ago. But uh, it's basically tiny, tiny particles that uh, respond more to forces that are in, in the air versus gravity. So they don't fall to the ground very quickly. And some of these aerosol particles can remain suspended in the in air for, for days and weeks, uh, depending on what's going on with winds blowing around. So uh, we are all familiar with dusting our homes and stuff like that. Those, those would be aerosol particles that are conveyed around through the atmosphere and end up on our um, coffee tables. So, there's other kinds of inhalants on the market people have probably seen. Can you talk a little bit about those? And, you know, they're not cannabis, but how do people use those? And is it pretty much the same modality then as what you're describing here with Sula? Yeah, sure. Um, there, there are currently dozens of inhalation medicines that are on the market uh, for treating kind of a wide range of widening range of uh, medical conditions. Still, you know, most of those target diseases of the lung uh, or localized treatment of the lung, uh, such as asthma, uh, COPD, but uh, they're also used for treating lung infections that are common in um, cystic fibrosis. Uh, I guess a brand name that most people might be familiar with uh, for a dry powder inhaler is Advair. I think we've all seen like TV spots on sure. Advair. Sure. Okay. So... This, this is not a new technology, but a repurposed technology. Are prospective customers comfortable with this type of product out of the gate, or how do you how do you get them comfortable to the point where they're saying, "Oh, I, I want this to be my default medicine or recreational device"? Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, most most consumers, unless they have uh, you know, some sort of like asthma or COPD, they're, they're probably not that familiar with inhaling medications. Um, and it does cons- cause a little bit of, of, of worry, I guess. Um, so it does require some education on our part. Um, and we're 
gearing up to do that with some uh, webinars and things like that, um, getting the information to people who we don't want to interact with us and 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 get get the straight story on on you know what the benefits of inhaling uh, dry powders are uh, on a really high level. When you think about smoking or vaping, uh, you're technically inhaling particles still. It's just that uh, they're really, really, they're like an order of magnitude smaller than what we're delivering. So kind of in the 200 to 300 nanometer size range versus we're in the one to five micron size range. And um, the other difference is with smoking or vaping, you know, there's heating and combustion, which as you kind of alluded to earlier, uh, creates a cocktail of chemicals that uh, is definitely not listed on the label of those products. And, and, and that kind of soup includes some, uh, some known carcinogens. So we really try to educate folks on that. Here we have a, a product that has been formulated very specifically and it, with exacting um, specifications for, uh, to ensure uh, healthy outcomes. Uh, the last thing we want to do is have folks who are already battling some sort of a disease state um, add further insults to their biology and, and harm their well-being while they're treating one symptom, they might be creating uh, new ones. So we have our four non-cannabis excipients or uh, functional ingredients listed uh, proudly on our package so consumers know exactly what they're inhaling into their lungs. And uh, so we consider this really to be the first open label inhalation product on the market. And, you know, all the trends in the marketplace also support this sort of development because, you know, more and more people are, are shopping for organic foods. The whole foods revolution is uh, definitely a major thing and uh, a movement at this point. Uh, and people uh, also, I mentioned with COVID uh, happening awareness of, of protecting lung health has really also uh, been goosed um, and, and more, more and more folks are, are looking for alternatives to smoking and vaping because it does cause concerns and for the potential um, susceptibility to more extreme or severe COVID implications. So is this engineered to bypass the airways uh, like cough reflex then, or how do you think about the cough reflex? Like if, if it, how does that work? I don't even know how to form that question articulately. Yeah. So we've really taken a lot of care to engineer the particles so that they uh, largely bypass the upper airways, but it's a numbers game at some point. If you're inhaling, uh, you know, in the case of our, of our initial product, 10 milligrams of, of powder, that's not 10 milligrams of THC, but 10 milligrams of powder, which contains one milligram of THC. Um, you know, there's always a, there's a chance that a lot, a number of those particles are going to interact with those upper airways. And uh, this can cause a spontaneous cough. It's a, we would consider that to be a minor adverse event in the uh, sort of clinical realm. Um, it seems to be most common in patients who are uh, smoke or vape naive, and also those who have never been familiar with the use of an inhaler. Uh, one of the things we also educate on is that for those folks who do experience cough, it tends to go away with familiarity of and, and improvement of the breathing of the inhalation maneuver. And um, so, you know, practice kind of makes perfect. And um, most folks report that within three to five uh, tries, they've got it down and, um, and they're no longer uh, having that sort of minor uh, spontaneous cough. And then I guess, you know, 
it's also probably worth mentioning that most people cough the first time that they take a drag off a joint or, or hit a bong, as they say. Um, and that's because cannabinoids are, um, you know, kind of irritants. Um, they're very bitter in taste profile. And so, um, you know, they trigger that cough response uh, is triggered by uh, sensory neurons in the upper airways um, that, that interact with those, you know, kind of bitter molecules. And, and so you get cough. And I guess, you know, if, <laughs> if the juice is worth the squeeze, people will continue. Okay. So we kind of touched on this a little bit, but just to draw a clear contrast, this is different than vaping a, because there's no heating element. It's just a mechanical spray. The size is different. And how about in terms of what you, what stays in versus what's exhaled? Right. Yeah. Great question. Um, yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, there's no heating or combustion and, um, you know, those are the reactions that create what we perceive as smoke. Uh, and it's actually, you know, a mixture of solids, oils, some tars and some gases. Uh, they're literally made up of hundreds of chemicals. Uh, and in smoking and vaping, uh, you know, it creates particles that are around 200, 300 nanometers in size. And what we know is that those particles are generally too small to, uh, interact with the mucosa in the lungs and then stick. So what we see, it's very common when people smoke or vape, is a huge plume uh, of secondhand smoke uh, that comes out, or fugitive aerosol, as some scientists like to call it, that comes out of, um, out of their you know, mouths when they exhale. And, um, you know, some people take great pride in, in making these big, beautiful clouds. Um, but that's really, you know, that's, that's waste. It's, it's just going off into the environment. Um, so what we know from the science is that the ideal particle size for uh, optimal lung deposition is between one and five uh, micrometers or microns. And uh, so it's about an order of magnitude larger than uh, the smoker vape. So that's a long way of saying that we get about 80% of what's in the capsule into the lungs. Uh, whereas smoking or vaping, you know, on a good day, that's kind of 15%. So we kind of flip that efficiency upside down with our uh, approach. In terms of like a continuum of uh, just being discreet, where does this fall compared to other options out there? Yeah. So uh, in terms of inhalation, we think that this is, you know, by far the most discreet method for consuming uh, cannabinoids. Uh, largely because none of the signature odors that are associated with combustion or heating are, are really generated, um, that signature smell. Uh, one of our uh, friends in the industry uh, <laughs> trialed this not too long ago and, and said, wow, that was like an invisible bong rip. Uh, literally nothing comes <laughs> out. Um, we, we, we do coach about a two to three second breath hold because if, if someone who's familiar with vaping or smoking and is used to seeing a cloud of smoke come out, if they immediately exhale after inhaling uh, a Sula dose, you will see, um, you know, the particles come out. But if you, if you just do it, practice a two to three second breath hold, um, you get that 80% uh, lung deposition. Okay. And, um, you know, I just add to that, that because of that, of the discrete nature, we have a form that's delivers on that fast acting relief component, 
but also really kind of frees people up to use cannabis in all sorts of settings where it was previously impossible. Uh, you can even think of settings like hospitals, for example, where, you know, you can't vape or smoke in a hospital if you want quick relief uh, and use cannabinoids. I mean, here's, here's a way you could do that. Um, and there are plenty of other settings. I'm sure everyone can let their imaginations run wild. <laughs> Mine is running wild right now. <laughs> I picture myself right about to reach the summit on a roller coaster and pulling it up. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be a different experience for sure <laughs> let's talk about the amount of thc you put in one dose and how you arrived at that yeah uh so through our proprietary formulation and uh, powder production uh and capsule filling processes we, we really have tremendous control over how much uh thc we, we put into each dose and it was based on uh, a significant amount of trialing that we did with folks that we kind of arrived on a one milligram of THC as uh, for our kind of launch product. Um, and we got, you know, the feedback we got was about 60% of uh, trialers said that that was the perfect dose for them. Uh, and, it, you know, we really do uh, want to give people what they say, you know, honor their feedback and, um, and, and give them something that is, is a nice functional dose. Okay. And what do you think people are using this for? Is it primarily general wellness or how, how would you describe its use case spectrum? Yeah. So, you know, we consider the initial THC launch product to be a wellness dose. And, and that feedback I was just referring to corroborates uh, that. Uh, you know, people use it as they would any other THC forward product. Um, by now, people who are familiar with THC or, or you know, know what they want to use it for and when to use it. Uh, the predictability and that discrete dosing really enable busy people uh, to fit cannabis into their lifestyles. Um, you know, for example, uh, you know, someone who has a, a two to three hour window, uh, you know, before they got to go drive somewhere or, or, you know, perform some sort of task that requires uh, maybe a little more mental acuity, um, you know, or agility, they can find that two to three hours and, and know that Sula will fit within that window uh, and they'll be completely back to their normal state um, at the end of that uh, session. Uh, whereas other, other forms, it's a little bit more guesswork involved and you kind of have to free up probably a little bit more time to budget for, you know, any, <laughs> any sort of, uh, excursions from your ideal dosing regimen. Yeah. So, you know, one people are thinking like one milligram, like, Hey, uh, yeah. a rookie cookies, five, five <laughs> milligrams. It's like, how can this be? But it's really like the precision medical process where, you know, it's an exact fit, you know, like hitting a target. It's like a bullseye compared to like a, maybe a hit from a joint being somewhere on the dartboard, but not a perfect uh, bullseye. Would you say that's kind of a good analogy or am I just, did I just take a hit from one of your devices and now there's nothing makes sense? <laughs> no, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a, that's a great, um, that's a great way of thinking of it. Um, you know, it's really this benefit of the, the very efficient delivery approach that we have that gets it directly into the bloodstream uh, quickly. Um, you know, you mentioned a cookie that's going to go through the liver. Uh, it's going to go through first pass metabolism, uh, absorption of cannabinoids through the, uh, through the um, gastrointestinal system and, and the, is, is really low. Um, there 
our metabolites that are generated in the case of THC, which are probably responsible for the reason why people say edibles feel differently. It's probably because it's a different compound that's at work there. It's most likely um, uh, one of a couple, uh, I guess the one that's most researched is 11-hydroxy um, THC, which is uh, you know allegedly something like t- up to 10 times as psychotropic as uh, Delta-9 THC. And so in our case, we're actually delivering the THC directly to the bloodstream, and then it goes directly to the brain and the, all the receptors. And so, you know, it does feel like five to 10 milligrams of a dose taken by other methods. Uh, so it really does surprise a lot of people the first time they try it. Okay. And what about uh, intellectual property? Do you have any patents on this tech? Yeah. So, um, you know, there are a lot of companies out there that have uh, patent pending, but we're, we're one of a, a of the few companies out there with an actual granted patent that covers our formulation process and, uh, you know, some of the unique qualities that we impart, um, on our spray dried, uh, cannabinoid powders. And, uh, we're, we're very active in, in filing additional claims, uh, to kind of build a beachhead around our core IP. Okay. Now there's some early research that suggests, but, hasn't yet been proven that cannabinoids may help with help people recover from COVID-19. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, this is really early and it's, it's, uh, it's data, uh, that's generated in, in a mouse study. So it's not human data. And, uh, you know, the caveat is going, jumping from, uh, mice to humans isn't always, uh, a, a linear, <laughs> uh, outcome. So, um, this is this is a, a research that came out in the in the spring out of the University of South Carolina, and it really got my attention because uh, they dosed these mice with a pathogen uh, that induces a cytokine storm, which a lot of us have have heard about or familiar with, um, which then create you know kind of creates a condition called acute respiratory distress syndrome, syndrome uh, or ARDS, ARDS, ARDS. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's that's really similar to what happens uh, for some uh, co- human COVID patients. Um, and in the in the case of these mice, um, this induced uh, cytokine storm and ARDS uh, results in significant mortality in those mice. They they pretty much always die. Uh, so uh, the mice in this study were all given the pathogen. Uh, to induce that condition, that lethal condition. And one of the cohorts was given placebo while the other one was treated with uh, THC. And what the investigators found was uh, that all of the, uh, the, <laughs> the rodent patients who got the THC uh, treatment uh, actually survived. Uh, whereas, all, <laughs> whereas all the ones that were not tr- were in the placebo uh, arm uh, died basically. So, um, Again, I would just caution that it's very early, but I think it's really interesting, uh, and it speaks to what a lot of subject matter experts uh, in the clinical space of cannabinoids have been talking about, how um, you know canna- certain cannabinoids can help modulate homeostasis, and what we see with uh, things like the cytokine storm and ARDS is you know a runaway system where our body starts attacking itself. Um, because of this distress. And so if we can intervene with cannabinoids uh, that, you know, remind the audience, you know, very few side effects, uh, no known lethal dose, uh, we can uh, potentially have a a way of of treating not only uh, COVID, uh, which I hope will have a successful vaccine here in the near future, but, 
you know, potentially other, um, other pathogens that come our way in the future. So it'd be a great tool to have in our toolkit if uh, so needed. And where are you in the capital raising process, Andreas? Yeah, we've been, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we've been doing this for six years. So we're, we're really playing the long game and committed to, um, to getting this uh, important medicine to uh, all those who need it. And uh, we've been working hard towards a, a Series A, which we see kind of unfolding toward the end of next year. But uh, we've just opened a bridge round uh, to get a couple of new uh, SKUs on the market that uh, I'm really excited about. We've got, um, we've got a sleep formula that seems to be very uh, effective uh, in some limited trialing. And then um, a CBD version of Sula that... Uh, uh, some folks have been using to treat anxiety actually related to COVID. And what's interesting is uh, one of the, it's been pretty solid feedback on that as well. Uh, it's folks saying that it's the first CBD product that they can actually feel uh, that it's, you know, working. And it's probably because of just the, you know, that novel inhalation route uh, and it's fast acting uh, nature, uh, but it doesn't go through the gut as I mentioned earlier, and go through metab- first-pass metabolism. So, um, again, very small doses uh, may prove to be effective, like a one milligram or a two milligram a dose of CBD. Whereas others, uh, a lot of products out there on the market are delivering, you know, twenty or more milligrams. I love this stuff. Now, for accredited investors that are listening, can they participate in your capital raising rounds, or how does that work? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Only accredited investors at this point. And they can just, uh, you know, interact with us through our website. Uh, it's uh, breathesula.com. It's uh, B-R-E-A-T-H-E-S-U-L-A.com. We have a contact form there, or uh, they're welcome to, to send us an email uh, at info at dispersalabs.com. That's uh, D-I-S-P-E-R-S-A-L-A-B-S.com. Well, Andres, I'd like to go to some personal development questions. With that, is there a book that's had a big impact on your life or way of thinking you'd like to share? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, well, these days I've got a little one at home uh, and with uh, entrepreneurship being what it is and uh, wanting to spend as much time as I can with, with the little guy. Um, it's been, most of my reading of late has been things like <laughs> Goodnight Moon <laughs> or Dr. <laughs> Seuss and the such. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of impact, I guess I'm gonna have to stick with the Dr. Seuss. Um, I think a lot of his prose kind of speak directly to a lot of the serious uh, challenges that humanity faces today. And, uh, you know, the Lorax is a prime example of that. Uh, I, th- I think it's, it's time for all of us to kind of stand up and, and speak for the trees. Okay, okay. And what do you think the most interesting thing going on in your field is besides what you're doing? Yeah, so um, I guess, you know, in dry powder inhalation, uh, there's a lot of, of new interest in, in R&D in this space. Uh, and some of that is, is definitely directly correlated to COVID. Uh, folks are really uh, primed to uh, understand what's going on in the lungs and how we can, uh, you know, administer medications to the lungs. And I think, it, you know, getting drugs to the lungs offers really some great opportunities to treat uh, both diseases that affect the lungs, but then also more systemic um, conditions. And, and that's what we're doing with the cannabinoids. 
because of this, you know, kind of efficiency of the route of administration that I, I talked about earlier, researchers really have an opportunity here to reduce um, dose size. And, uh, you know, by doing this, we can reduce side effects uh, compared to more you know, traditionally uh, more orally ingested drug forms, I guess. And so this way we can kind of maximize the reward while minimizing uh, risk to patients. And uh, I just add to that, that, you know, some of the research into psychedelics such as psilocybin, LSD and DMT, really compelling. And I think it's also really exciting because these are some serious unmet needs uh, and societal problems that, that uh, these compounds seem uh, well-suited to address. Um, PTSD, anxiety, uh, all kinds of psychological disorders. And uh, a lot of those things are the things that plague our uh, uh, societally. And uh, I think because of the potency of those compounds uh, represents really a great opportunity for standardized dosages that are delivered uh, to the lungs by a dry powder inhaler, quite frankly. So there's a lot of, a lot of research in that space right now, and uh, we're, we're, we're happy to be a part of that. Yeah, so LSD seems like it could possibly, you could microdose with an inhaler. That seems like that makes sense because it's, you know, a chemical you can make into an aerosol. But how would you do that with That's psilocybin? Right. Sort of the same thing. Um, okay. I mean, you just, you just it, it just needs to get into the bloodstream, right? So it, a lot of people who, uh, experts in the area of psilocybin and other um, entheogens like that, uh, talk about different levels of experience, like level one through five. And, you know, we can kind of envision uh, a version of uh, a dry powder inhaler that's a fixed dose like this, where, you know, a capsule equals a level. So if you if you need to have a, a level one experience, you take one capsule. If you need to have a level five experience, maybe you take five capsules, or maybe we ju- you just develop a capsule that has the level five potency in it. But um, these are very, very polished powerful uh, drugs that require micrograms versus milligrams in many cases. So there's a lot of uh, room to create. Um, there's a lot of room in those tiny capsules to create a lot of different, uh, present a lot of different dosages to patients. Is there room for like a rescue aerosol uh, inhaler, <laughs> like where you get too high or maybe you took too much psilocybin or LSD and you're like, holy cow, I need to bring this, turn down the volume on this. Is, is, do you ever think about that? We have, yes, absolutely. Um, I, it's, you know, it's something that there's definitely an unmet need there. Um, we're not quite there yet in terms of knowing exactly what um, combination of molecules is going to kind of switch off, um, you know, those effects that we might want to attenuate in those cases. But um, there's definitely an unmet need and where there's an unmet need, there's going to be some innovation. So, um, you know, if, if folks have ideas about, <laughs> what uh, might do that job? Uh, we'd we'd be very interested in, in talking to them about uh, opportunities. Okay. Now, what's one thought you have that most people would disagree with you on? It can be about anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think a lot about uh, kind of the human condition and 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 society and how uh, all these constructs, uh, the life we live and, and what we participate in and consider normal is, uh, is largely a construct. And uh, in, in thinking about compounds and, and things that we consume, um, there's, there's really a continuum when, I th- when, we, when we think about things like cannabis or I'll give you an example of alcohol. So, I mean, alcohol, everyone just 
assumes, okay, well, this is something it's, uh, it's a, it's a net negative. It's uh, it's, but it's something that people really have latched onto and have um, many people use it daily. Um, I would argue that a lot of that use is medicinal. Um, people use it to kind of unplug, switch off to kind of table the, the stressors of a day, which of which today we have more and more of those. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of these things, are on a, more of a continuum and we kind of do ourselves a disservice by, by labeling them as, well, this is medicinal or this is recreational. I think there's a big gray area in between where people derive benefits from, uh, you know, and I'll jump back to cannabinoids here. I, I kind of resist the idea of just saying this is a medical use or this is a recreational use. I think there's this sort of um, gray area in between and it's, it's a kind of a beautiful space to, to ponder. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I think someone who comes home from a stressful day and has, you know, pours themselves a martini or has a glass of wine, I, I think that's a medicinal use of alcohol. Yeah, I would agree with that. When someone says that another person's a piece of work, we kind of know what that means. Are you a piece of work, Andreas? <laughs> uh, you don't have to answer that. I'm just kidding around with you. But, <laughs> I like that. But yeah. the answer is yes. Okay. My, okay. my wife would say yes. You're okay. a piece of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like Andreas, that. as we close, can you tell uh, listeners how to find your products and also accredited investors? Just remind them how to connect with you. Yeah. Um, so right now we're actually a, um, about to uh, launch with uh, some delivery services that we're courting. Uh, we're not quite there yet in terms of a deal, but um, our goal is to get this into consumers' hands via uh, delivery services and then also select. Uh, dispensaries, and we've had some great outreach uh, in our direction uh, recently about this as awareness of uh, of Sula, this option of, of uh, dry powder inhaler, uh, make, kind of makes the rounds. Yeah, and, and folks can absolutely uh, reach out to us uh, either via the breathesula.com website and the contact form there or uh, info at dispersalabs.com. Andreas, thanks so much for coming on the show and educating us. Have a great holiday season, and we look forward to chatting with you in 2021. What a pleasure, Matt. I'd love to come back and uh, talk about some of the innovations we've got uh, coming up. If you enjoyed the show today, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever app you might be using to listen to the show. Every five-star review helps us to bring the best guests to you. Learn more at canninsider.com forward slash iTunes. What are the five disruptive trends that will impact the cannabis industry in the next five years? Find out with your free report at cannainsider.com forward slash trends. Have a suggestion for an awesome guest on Canna Insider? Simply send us an email at feedback at cannainsider.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Canna Insider or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments. Promotional consideration may be provided by select guests, advertisers, or companies featured in Canna Insider. Lastly, the host or guests on Canna Insider may or may not invest in the companies or entrepreneurs profiled on the show. Please consult your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Final disclosure to see if you're still paying attention. This little whistle jingle you're listening to will get stuck in your head for the rest of the day. Thanks for listening and look for another Canon Insider episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.